Hello and welcome to Canon Rant's Sound of Play 110, the Sonic the Hedgehog special. Ryan Heyman, and today I am joined by James Farley from the Computer Game Show. Hello. Hey, you have a little bit of history with the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise, and I have dabbled in some of the older games, but I'm more familiar with the newer stuff. You've dabbled in the newer stuff, and I'm more familiar with the uh, early Sonic games. So I think between the two of us, we should be able to just about pull this off. I hope so. Most of my experience really came with the, the sort of the Master System and sort of Mega Drive or you know Genesis uh, sort of era mm. of music. But yeah, we're definitely going to get into some of the differences between the different versions of the games. Uh, a lot of the times you'll hear when a game is ported to a different platform, even something like the uh, Donkey Kong ports from the Super Nintendo to the Game Boy would use a lot of the same tunes. But in the, the case of Sonic, oftentimes they'll bring on entirely different compositional teams, uh, create entirely different soundtracks. And so even for those of you who are familiar with certain versions of the Sonic soundtrack, we might uh, expose some uh, new favorites along the way. The first song that we came in with was a very familiar one, I think, to anyone who's played a Sonic game, mostly because, I mean, the original song is iconic, but also they keep on bringing Green Hill Zone and some of these uh, iconic early Sonic stages back game and game and game and game after game. So this song has been in multiple games, but this is the first, iter- well, not the first iteration, we'll get into that. This is the Genesis iteration or the uh, Mega Drive as you might call it, iteration of the Green Hill Zone theme. 
What is it that stands out to you about this song in particular? This is a really interesting song because my first sort of experience of this was from the Master System, and mm-hmm. they did replicate this. I mean, the the Mega Drive version came first, but then the the uh, Master System one came later. But they tried with some of the uh, some of the stages to keep the same music, and this is one of them. It's really funny because when I heard this on the Mega Drive or you know, on the Genesis rather, I was completely blown away by it. Uh, mostly because the the Master System one is so sort of bare bones, whereas the Genesis one is just sounds so luxurious and rich by comparison yeah, yeah. You know, to this it's uh, it's amazing yeah you know, the sort of difference between it it was i mean i really felt like quite emotional by the end of the stage because i'd i've been used to hearing this in sort of like sort of tinny 8 bit and then suddenly it mm. was in sort of stereo amazing sound yeah and it is an interesting song as well kind of compositionally uh, this is something we brought up a lot during the Donkey Kong Country special, a few sounds of plays back but you know we're really used to these kind of cutesy platformer a mascot platformer songs being really upbeat and being really happy and being really cheery. But uh, just like the Donkey Kong music, like this song has a certain like emotional hook to it, yeah. like a certain kind of m- not necessarily melancholy because it is still very fast and upbeat, but it just sounds like, like that, that main melody is telling a story in a way that a lot of other background music doesn't. And it really does kind of hook me in every time I hear it. It's interesting you say melancholy because that's exactly what I wrote down for this, actually. Because it's uh, <laughs> because that that's one of the reasons which I've always felt drawn uh, to the music from the first game. Because even though there are sort of these sort of like there are upbeat parts to it. For Green Hill Zone in particular, there really is like a sort of underlying sort of feeling of melancholy to the song, you know, as I feel. That's one of the reasons why um, I think one of the next ones we're going to look at, which is from the Master System, uh, Bridge mm-hmm. Zone, is uh, really similar in that respect. Like it, there is a very sort of melancholic feeling to it. And this is something which I kind of feel, I mean, I'm, I know I'm getting ahead of myself a bit here, is kind of a bit lacking from later later releases, is, uh, is mm. this sort of feeling. I guess to kind of briefly go over the... Whole Sonic ethos is that uh, Sega wanted to create something that was American cool, you know, in mm-hmm. the way that you know Mario was very kind of classic Disney-ish, and they wanted to create something that was a little bit more kind of with the times, the '90s, something that you know reflected American cartoons of the time. Yeah, that was part of the reason why Sonic really caught on with these younger kids because he did have such like a modern design and you know he's been redesigned multiple times throughout the years chasing this ideal of this kind of american playground cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a way Uh, but the the music also does reflect that um, more so on the genesis version of this first game than the master system Mm -hmm. version but uh, they brought in throughout the series a lot of pop and especially rock composers and so kind of like mega man a lot of these are composed with a rock sensibility Uh, So let's go back to the Master System version of the game. And this is something that I'd only ever played the Genesis version before. And so I, you know, I'm I'm unfamiliar with the Master System slash Game Gear, I suppose, version of the game. But uh, um, why don't you tell us a bit about the Scrap Brain Zone? This is also another sort of uh, version of the, because the Genesis had Scrap Brain Zone as well. But this Mm -hmm. one is a a little bit different. I mean, one of the other things I I think I should point out is that, see, I played these on a PAL Master System as well. So everything is at 50 hertz. 
and mm. so consequently slower. And that's one of the other thing which is the things that's been interesting about listening back to some of these tracks is that they sound a lot faster than I remember them. Oh, so the music would go slower as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm. everything was uh, everything was sort of at a, a slower slower pace. And that's one of the elements that I found with Scrap Brain Zone. This the version which is the like sixty hertz version. I think sounds a, a lot better actually. It's a it's a lot more sort of uh, upbeat than the uh, fifty hertz version. Yeah, it's a really pacey song. It's got mm. a lot of uh, a very quick notes going on in the background. There's quite a few people from my experience uh, in the UK who they really enjoyed the first Sonic the Hedgehog on the Master System, sometimes even more so than the Mega Drive version, because it felt mm. like it was sort of more sort of slower and more deliberate. I think that's uh, something that Sonic has always kind of teetered between is mm -hmm. having courses that give a really good sense of flow where you just kind of react. And no matter what you what, what path you choose, there are multiple paths to get you to the end of the level as, as a way of keeping the momentum going. And then there's some courses that are very start and stop, more kind of platformy challenges like you would find in a Mario game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's let's listen to that scrap brain zone music from the Master System version of the game. Zone, you, uh, you mentioned that that was not composed by the same composer of the Genesis Mega Drive version. Yeah, it seems that the, the Master System version, from what I can tell, was actually composed by uh, Yuzo Koshiro, who is also famous for Revenge of Shinobi and the Streets of Rage series. And uh, I mean, because a lot of the stages also in the Master System version are quite different to the Mega Drive one. Mm. As we'll come to, there's the Bridge Zone. I mean, it still has some of the stages like, like the Labyrinth Zone, but... The music is often quite different. They really do sort of change up some of these. And I think the main reason for this was probably because because the level design was different, the pacing is different. And so this is why maybe they needed to um, sort of incorporate different music into this. But it still manages to sort of keep uh, very sort of faithful to the, uh, the original sort of tone of the Mega Drive version. So you'd mentioned the bridge zone there. Now, this is a track that does sound a little bit more kind of chipper and cheery, the kind of platformy music that I would come to expect. See, I kind of feel that this is a bit more... I know the bridge zone. I always felt was a quite sort of melancholy kind of kind of track. Oh. Really, <laughs> <laughs> it does have that kind of like end credits feel to it yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. This is the bridge zone from the Master System version of Sonic the Hedgehog.
one Genesis track earlier on. Uh, we are coming back with another one. This is another jazzy and swingy. It's fun. This is the Spring Yard Zone. And one of our previous Sound of Play guests, I, I suppose actually six of our previous Sound of Play guests, the band Super Soul Bros, have a really wonderful version of this song, really kind of playing into the uh, jazziness and kind of lounginess of this piece, which I really love. And so when I went back to this version of the song, it's hard for me to not hear that more kind of lush instrumentation. But uh, one of the things that really stands out to me about this track and a lot of the uh, Genesis pieces is that uh, maybe it's just due to the limited aural capacities of the Genesis, but they end up reusing a lot of sounds that they use for sound effects in the game. And so you'll hear the like the ring sound effect used as an instrument in this track. And a lot of the other tracks later on, you hear some of the, like the springs jumping off a spring pad sound effect used as instruments in the game. And it's kind of fun. It, it kind of makes it all feel like it's part of like a coherent whole. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's listen to the spring yard zone from the Sega Genesis version of the game composed by Masato Nakamura. out of the first Sonic the Hedgehog game, we're going to be moving into Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Of course, we aren't going to be able to hit every single Sonic the Hedgehog game. There are a few we're going to have to skip over because this guy has been in loads of games and a lot of them have really good music. So we're going to have to be a little selective, but we are coming back with another Master System version of one of these songs, again, composed by Naofumi Hataya and Masafumi Ogata. This is the Crystal Egg song. Uh, Now, is this also a a stage that was in the Genesis version of uh, Sonic 2? It was not, no. This is another... Because mm. the, the sequel actually diverged even more uh, from from mm. the from the, from the the Genesis version. It was really, like, very, very different. I mean, the also, the level design was a, quite a lot more complex in the Master System version, and the songs 
consequently mm. are they're a lot more sort of detailed i think but i i feel that something is lost from these actually i mean it, when i was looking through sort of uh, which ones you know sort of particularly memorable from the master system version this one was one of the only ones that really sort of stuck out um mostly because a lot of the songs are significantly more sort of complex and complicated in the way that they're composed whereas this one is a little more sort of uh, a little bit more focused in the same way that the uh, the first game uh, mostly this way so this is crystal egg from the master system track is probably the most iconic from Sonic 2. This is Emerald Hill Zone. Like I said earlier, kind of uses the spring sound effect as a part of its instrumentation. It brings up like a sense memory of Mm -hmm. going off the springs in the game and propelling you forward. It just makes the song sound faster and feel like it's pushing you in a way that uh, I think like other instruments might not, although it is a very upbeat and very fast track already. It really feels like the soundtrack overall is a lot sort of flashier um, than the original. Um, there's mm, a lot yeah. fewer tracks that are sort of contemplative. It's it's really that kind of, you know, Cliffy B sort of bigger, better, more badass kind of <laughs> thing, you know, in general. Uh, like the whole the whole package mm. is kind of like that. I mean, how, how do you feel comparing Emerald Hill Zone and uh, Green Hill? Because... I'm not really a fan of Emerald Hill, to be honest, but how, how did you feel? It does feel like a bombastic opening to a game, something they want to do to kind of draw your attention in, like an attract mode type of song, whereas a Green Hill feels like it fits a little bit better in the context of you. You've already sat down to play the game. You know, you don't need anything to draw your attention in. You're already invested. Uh, but yeah, Emerald Hill has a ton of stuff going on all the time. There's layers and layers of instruments and uh, it just feels like a very busy track Uh, but it's fun but it feels a little bit more attract modish than Mm -hmm. the other one well this is emerald hill zone from the sega genesis version of sonic the hedgehog 2 composed by masato nakamura
right, this next track is another one that the Super Soul Bros have a really fun version of. And again, this is a very jazzy piece, also from Sonic 2. This is called Aquatic Ruin. It's got a, a kind of a, a South American sound to it. That's the impression that I get from it anyways. Yeah, I mean, this this is another one, absolutely one of my favorites, along with sort of Oil Ocean and Hilltop, mostly because it has that sort of feel of like the other, of like a, you know, sort of... Uh, it, it's really quite different to most other tracks in the game uh, because mm-hmm. the style is just so different. Well, let's listen to Aquatic Ruin from the Genesis version of the game. very different sounding game. This is from Sonic the Hedgehog CD, although I've only really heard it referred to as Sonic CD. That rolls off the tongue a bit nicer. This game is actually really interesting. This came out for the Sega CD, and being on a CD format, they were able to include a lot kind of higher quality music. And so you'll hear music that sounds like well ahead of its time. You have something that sounds like a like a studio recording almost. I'm pretty sure that all of these are still MIDI instruments, but they, they really are able to blast out some uh, really interesting sounds. I have some more samples in there as well. Uh, but interestingly, this game, uh, which features some sort of time traveling elements, and so oftentimes you'll get kind of dual versions of each track, uh, but also there are separate soundtracks for the US version and the PAL version. It's usually referred to as the US version and the Japanese version, but I'm assuming that since you Europeans are in the PAL region, you probably also got the PAL version of the soundtrack. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I've actually because I've I've played the game, but only in sort of recent years. It's um, mm. and I don't because I've I've heard uh, from sort of reputation that the the Japanese stroke PAL version is supposed to be superior to the US version. Is that mm. so? It's probably. I mean, it's all a matter of taste, <laughs> really. But I think what they were going for was the um, PAL version was a little bit more kind of typical platformery, video gamey in a way, and then the American version they wanted to lean a little bit heavier into that kind of rock influence, mm-hmm. and so you hear more electric guitars and stuff like that, and especially. Uh, that stands out a bit in this first track 
uh, which might be a bit of cheating in a way. This is from DA Gardens. And the track that they use in the background of this stage is actually like an instrumental version of the theme song that they wrote for the US version of the game. So, uh, you know, it might not be entirely representative of the rest of the soundtrack, but I, I think it does give a pretty good idea of the type of compositional ethos that Spencer Nilsson, David Young, and Mark Crew were going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's, let's listen to DA Garden from the US version of Sonic CD. And then coming on the kind of opposite end of the musical spectrum, in a way, this is a track called Palm Tree Panic, Good Future. And again, there are like Good Future and Bad Future and past versions of all of these tracks. And so, yeah, a lot of, lot of different versions, a lot of different iterations, but you will hear this one is a lot cheerier, uh, includes some kind of silly samples as well. You'll hear some kind of like children saying like, yay, type of thing, which feels very Japanese to me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But this is the version of the songs that you would have been familiar with then? Yeah, I mean, I'd completely forgotten about this sort of divergence that there are between uh, the two, the two sort of the two soundtracks. And I mean, that really makes sense in terms of the sort of the style that they were going for, because mm. when I when I listen back to the like the, the first one that we played, the uh, the US version, it really feels like it's sort of a culmination of that, what they really wanted in the first place for Sonic, you know, this sort of big sort of flashy, you know, sort of very cool, you know, that kind of yeah, thing, yeah. whereas this PAL version is is much, uh, much more what I would uh, imagine Sonic to be, uh, to be honest, what I've always enjoyed it to be, uh, rather than the <laughs> sort of the flashy side. But uh, yeah, that's, that, again, personal preference, <laughs> that's what that is. Yeah, it does have a certain like Nintendo energy to it. Mm-hmm. It's very fast. It's got some really quick tapping percussion. It's got a super quick 
piano riffs in the background and it's just a lot of fun and always kind of changes up and keeps keeps it going so let's listen to palm tree panic good future from the pal version of sonic cd it's a lot of qualifiers there to a very different style of game. This one is not even a platformer. This one comes from a pinball spinoff. This one is from Sonic the Hedgehog Spinball in 1993, composed by Howard Drossen, Brian Coburn, and Barry Blum. It doesn't sound Sonic necessarily. It sounds like the types of freeware games that I would download on on computer yes, when I was really younger. Sa- <laughs> it really sounds like that. It's, uh, I mean, it it feels a little like uh, you know this was a project that was in development that then Sonic was sort of grafted onto. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, it, it certainly <laughs> doesn't really feel like a sort of a traditional sort of Sonic sort of track. Yeah, but it's a cool song, and uh, you know it has its own place in the Sonic legacy. So let's listen to Toxic Caves from Sonic Spinball. Yeah. 
So we're coming to another Sonic the Hedgehog game, which has probably more discussion about this soundtrack than any of the other Sonic soundtracks in the past because of its really interesting lineup of composers. Uh, This is Sonic the Hedgehog 3, which you might also read it as Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles, depending on whether you have the Sonic and Knuckles expansion pack. But this game has a soundtrack composed by giant list of folks here. We have Brad Buxer, Sriracho Jones, Bobby Brooks, Daryl Ross, Jeff Grace, Doug Grigsby, Michael Jackson, Sashio Ogawa, Tatsuyuki Maeda, Jun Senui, and Masanori Hikichi. Uh, Now, of course, the standout name in there is Michael Jackson. (laughs) There are people who have gone into far more detail than we're able to go into here as far as the extent to his involvement, but it started as kind of an urban legend within the video gaming space after people started noticing some of these songs sound a lot like things that uh, Jackson and his team would later compose for his pop career. And especially since, you know, Sega had worked with Michael Jackson in the past with the Moonwalker game, and there seemed to be a lot of interesting synchronicity going on there. Years later, it came out that like, yeah, actually he was a part of the project and there definitely are still some songs that bear his work that were not scrubbed from the game. Uh, You know, I I think they both, Sega and Michael Jackson, kind of wanted to distance themselves from one another uh, by the time this project kind of concluded. I think Michael Jackson was really excited to work with it in the first place because he was a huge Sonic 2 fan, but he wasn't really satisfied with the sound that he was getting from the Genesis. And Sega kind of got cold feet after Michael Jackson's whole uh, sex scandal stuff started breaking out and thought, you know, maybe this isn't the best composer to attach to this children's game, essentially. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I'd heard was the the major driver with this was that Sega started to get very nervous about, uh, about sort of, yeah, about the association with, with Jackson. And so we'll hear at least one track that he's attached to. It's unclear sometimes which songs he did compose for and which ones he didn't because, you know, due to all of this, um, kind of behind-the-scenes controversy. They never put out an official soundtrack for this game. And so the writing credits for each individual song aren't public. So we just kind of have to use our uh, deductive reasoning skills sometimes. But this first track that we're going to talk about is the Hydrocity Zone Act 1, which is a really fun track. Again, I think it does a good job of demonstrating the different attitude that Sonic 3 had. It's a little bit more mischievous. It gets back into that jazziness again. This is the one that opens with the sort of the big sort of wave like sort of explosion and then, yeah. <laughs> then the music kicks in. And it, it reminds me a little bit actually of like sort of Casino Night Zones actually. Mm. It's It's got a very similar sort of vibe to it which is sort of very playful and sort of friendly as you said because it's it's sort of in in sort of multiple stages that uh, yeah that it sort of changes and evolves over time. But it's also it's quite a long track as as I remember as well, because I think the mm-hmm. zone itself was quite uh, was quite big. A really fun track. I think you're all going to like it. This is Hydrocity Zone Act One. <laughs> Thank you. 
Right now we're coming back with another track that we are as certain as certain can be that Michael Jackson did indeed work on. And this has a very Michael Jackson sound to it. It has this kind of like smooth criminal type of musicality to it. Uh, This is the Ice Cap Zone, Act 1. And I know this is a particular favorite among Sonic music remixing crowds. The uh, website Overclocked Remix has an entire album of remixes of just this song. It it certainly sounds like the most sort of like, yeah, that sort of pop song I think that there there is on this uh, this soundtrack actually, I think. Yeah, so let's listen to the Ice Cap Zone, Act 1 by Michael Jackson. track is uh it feels more video gamey less poppy 
but it's really fun and it has another nice melodic change up partway through that changes up the kind of emotional timber of the song, but it definitely feels like the type of theme you would get when you're in the bad guys territory in a game or in a movie or something. This is the Flying Battery Zone, Act 1. Uh, now, what is it about this track in particular that stands out to you? This one's recently been uh, reworked because it's it's part of Sonic Mania. Um, oh, the, yeah, yeah. The recent re-release. And apparently, I mean, I was reading today that it was it was selected, uh, you know, the, the zone was selected to be sort of reworked purely because of the music, <laughs> because the they, people <laughs> were sort of such fans of it. And I can really see why. I mean, what you say about it feeling like you're sort of in enemy territory being sort of mm-hmm. pursued, you it, it really comes across in this. Yeah, it has a little bit of a, almost like a James Bondy feel as well, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. a lot of fun. There's a lot going on here. So this is Flying Battery Zone, Act One. This next track is another one that's very famous in the sonic oeuvre. This is Sky Sanctuary, and this one is very lush in a way that I think later games and later remixes are kind of better able to capitalize on. But even with the more tinny Genesis sound, this song really does tear through and has such a strong melody that, you know, it's really evocative of the type of stage that it's trying to represent. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a fan of this one. It's I, to me. It sounds there's too many sort of layers to it, and it sounds a bit of a sort of a sonic mess to me. Uh, pardon the pun. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a not a sort of a huge fan of it, really. So this is this is a, a very popular one, then you believe? Yeah, this has come back in generations, and a few of the other. I think this was even a version of this was in uh, Smash Bros. in the past, and so a lot of these kind of compilation type of games. But yeah, let's uh let all of you make up your own mind on this. This is Sky Sanctuary.
Now this next track is another one that I'm pretty sure that Michael Jackson worked on. This is a really fun, uh, mischievous theme for Knuckles, which is Sonic's new kind of rival in this game. It has a really nice melody to it, playfulness to the song, and it uses these super highly compressed like hand clap samples, which sound really poor if you're listening to it as trying to replicate a hand clap, but it creates such an interesting sound that even if it wasn't what they were going for, it creates a really cool sonic quality to it. The bass sort of line to it as well, I think, is, mm. is really impressive. It's, um, yeah, really gives it sort of some sort of bass and beat to it. Yeah, I've always liked Knuckles myself. He was the character who I always choose to play as. I really like his design and just kind of his overall... He's a bit of a dick to Sonic sometimes, but he's not a bad guy. He's just a little that uh, kind of playful rogue type. <laughs> he was certainly one of the one of the better additions to the series. Yeah, as far as <laughs> Sonic has his share of crappy friends, yeah. but uh, I think Knuckles is among the better of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is the Knuckles theme from Sonic Three. <laughs> with something a little bit more evil sounding you know the other songs were uh, a lot of fun this one is a boss theme and it's very imposing i played a lot of sonic 3 growing up on my pc uh, because they released this game for pc as well and this was one that i would yeah just play all the time and i remember just coming to these bosses and hearing this song it, it really brings me right back there uh, it's such a, a strong tune and uh, definitely evocative how did you feel about the change for some of these because between like sonic 1 and sonic 2 they kept uh, a lot of the like the title music they kind of kept and sort of jazzed up a bit and also the boss music they they kept mostly as well but then mm-hmm. they really changed it for three how did you feel about the change because i wasn't entirely happy with the title uh, music but the boss stuff i thought was an improvement actually i came to three before i played any of the previous two and i think three is still of the original well not including sonic cd but in the original like trilogy of numbered editions is the only one that i've finished still and so i i, I have a stronger attachment to this version of the soundtrack than I do to the previous two. But uh, yeah, it is interesting to kind of get these these shifts over time, what's preserved and what's changed. Yeah, because I, I remember in particular when they, because they, they changed the music for when you like complete a stage. And I was, 14 year old me was kind of heartbroken when they, when they changed it in three, because it oh, sounded, yeah. to me, it just didn't, it didn't sound like Sonic anymore. It felt like it was a completely <laughs> different kind of game. And it was, uh, but uh, yeah, over time though, I've grown to have grown to like it more. It's always hard to balance, especially with the series that's been running as long as Sonic has. They have so many nice musical allusions to you know a lot of the invincibility themes and end stage themes even from the modern 3d games they like to throw back to those original tunes Mm -hmm. that you heard back in the old old days and uh yeah so it's it's an interesting balance especially as the kind of musical ethos of the series has changed over time trying Mm -hmm. to preserve these things and adapt them into fitting with the new soundtrack Uh, but this is the act two boss theme from sonic the hedgehog 3 and knuckles
think we're moving on now to another Game Gear game, so maybe not one that everyone has played before. Uh, this is called Sonic the Hedgehog Triple Trouble, and there were quite a few of these uh, smaller projects that the Sonic team, or I guess whoever at the time, I don't know who was in charge of each of these, whether it was the main team or whether it was uh, sub-teams over at Sega, uh, were in charge of and putting out on the Game Gear. Uh, this soundtrack was composed by Yayoi Wachi. This is called the Sunset Park Boss Theme. So another boss theme there. But yeah, this one does sound very video gamey. It doesn't have as lush of instrumentation options as the Genesis or the Sega CD before it, but it's uh, it definitely makes up for it in uh, preserving that Sonic the Hedgehog energy. One of the things which is kind of interesting is that the I mean the later Game Gear and I think not all of these were released on Master System because by then the system was kind of finished mm. by that point. But I always kind of got the impression that you see Sonic One and Sonic Two, a lot of effort was clearly put into those games. Like they they look really good and the the music is fantastic. But uh, after that, it it like as you said, it began to feel like these ones were were kind of side projects, which the same kind of love and attention was certainly not sort of lavished upon them. Really, let's uh, listen to the song anyways. This is called Sunset Park Boss Theme from Sonic the Hedgehog Triple Trouble. Jumping into another year in the future here, this is 1995, and this is a game for another system, kind of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is for the 32X. (laughs) This is from Knuckles Chaotix. Uh, This might be seen as the expansion of the Sonic universe of characters. It's all kind of based on Knuckles and a lot of his friends, 
And, you know, we'll get to later on in the series when the cast has kind of blown up and exploded into dozens and dozens and dozens of these oftentimes kind of poorly thought out characters. But I tend to like the designs of the characters in Chaotix. Like, I think they have kind of a cool look to them, at least. I haven't played the game myself, but it seems to have a really neat premise and style to it. I think the music goes into that as well. It distinguishes it quite a bit from a lot of the previous Sonic games. This one's a lot more laid back, kind of loungy in a way. This one that I think we're going to play here is it again. It's it's got that kind of yeah, sort of a much more sort of laid back version of Casino Night Light Zone. It's yeah. <laughs> uh, it's got that same sort of vibe again. But I mean, this is it's a bit of a shame though because I I can't imagine many people actually played this. Because it was, uh, it was, yeah, thirty-two X game, and it never appears to have been released on anything else either, which is a shame. People have missed out. Yeah, probably worth going back to for Sonic fans. I'm not sure. It'd be uh, interesting to look back on that one in the future. But this song is called "Evening Star" from Knuckles Chaotix, composed by Junko Shiratsu and Mariko Nanda. <laughs> from knuckles chaotix here this one is called door into summer this one does have a little bit more of a feel-good poppy nature Mm -hmm. to it It as a really strong lead line when the i guess the chorus you would call it comes around Uh, it's a a really fun playful lead line and then the the verses are settling back into something a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more out of the way it does kind of maintain its playfulness throughout i mean this would not have sounded out of place i think in the maybe in sort of in sonic 2 or even in sonic 3 it sounds yeah it's uh, true it's much more of that sort of ilk well so this is door into summer from knuckles chaotix
So this next track is from uh, just a really weird game. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this comes from one called Sonic the Fighters. This was an arcade-only game until it was ported to the Xbox 360 and the PS3. And I remember encountering this cabinet when I was younger at an arcade once and just being in love with the idea, even though otherwise it was kind of an unremarkable 3D fighting game, early 3D fighting game, kind of like a, a Virtua Fighter style, but you know, not nearly as polished. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just kind of starring Sonic characters. Something about it really stuck out to me as like, I want to play that someday. Uh, but I tried to hunt it down and it never got a, a release that I could play until many, many years later on. And I just never ended up going back to it, unfortunately. Maybe I still will at some point, but it is just what you would expect. It's a fighting game starring Sonic characters. And this song definitely sounds like a fighting game kind of song. Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> it's very dramatic. It's very upbeat as well. But it it represents a really interesting divergence in the Sonic series. So let's listen to Giant Wing Firestone.
That last one was composed by Mackie Morrow. And we are moving on to a game that is 3D-ish. Now this one is kind of like faux 3D, at least on the Genesis version, which I have played. Does it run actual 3D on the Saturn or is it also kind of a faux 3D aesthetic? I think it's also sort of faux 3D on the the Saturn as well, yeah. Yeah, this is from Sonic 3D Blast. And this game is interesting. It has two entirely different versions on the Genesis and on the Saturn. And they both uh, have different soundtracks as well. So even though they seem to play mostly kind of similarly and are based on one of the same stages, it is an entirely different compositional team that worked on these these two games. Yeah, because I think it was a it was a different sort of programming team as well that worked on the game. Hmm. I, I don't think this was this was not a Sonic Team game. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, this was made by Travelers Tales. That's right. Who yeah, we know from later on did a lot of uh, Pixar adaptations of video games, and then the Lego series, which they're still going strong on these days. But also, I mean, this this first track I think we're going to look at is 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 particularly good though. It's um. It's very yeah. sort of bassy. Listening to it, it does remind me. Did you ever play any of the Sonic Advance games? I didn't know because uh, it's quite similar to a couple of those as well. Hmm. It's um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, this is composed by Jun Senue, who is a very common name you'll find in the rest of the Sonic series here, and Tatsuyuki Maeda. This first track is called Gene Gadget Zone Act One from the Genesis version of the game. It has a really great kind of building intensity to it. It has a little bit more of like a rock sensibility than the mm-hmm. pop stuff from earlier before. But yeah, it's a, it's a fun track.
This next one is uh, just makes me smile a lot. <laughs> I don't know if it's representative of the rest of the soundtrack, but this is Dr. Robotnik's theme, a beta version of that from the Genesis version of the game, again, by the same compositional team. It has like a Russian march feel to it. Yeah. But it's so like such that perfect evil villain type of music that it just brings a big smile to my face. This is a, a quite a different take on sort of on Dr. Robotnik kind of thing because it's <laughs> it's the threats has kind of completely gone and he's just yep. a figure of fun in this track, it's, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, uh, yeah, it's quite different. Yeah, maybe that's part of the divide between Robotnik and Eggman. Mm-hmm. I think Eggman is always viewed as being a very serious villain, but whenever they call him Robotnik, it's, he's usually the butt of a joke somewhere, mm-hmm. which I think was a name developed for the cartoon, although it might come from one of the instruction manuals. But yeah, anyways, <laughs> this is Dr. Robotnik's theme beta from the Genesis version. <laughs> Jacques composed for the Sega Saturn version of Sonic 3D Blast. He will also come back quite a few times throughout the series, but you'll hear a very different sound from this game. And I really like this track in particular. This is called Rusty Ruins Act One. It's very dramatic. It doesn't feel very sonic, but it has some really interesting, like sampled choral vocals and uh, some really nice piano and strings and wind type of stuff going on in there and just feels like something i'd expect more in like a uh, like a mist game or something like that yes absolutely (laughs) that's what's interesting with this because i mean this was the same game as the as the genesis version and although this sounds really good i mean it's a very sort of relaxing sort of like as you said like mist like experience yeah it doesn't really fit I don't think 3D Blast. It's it's mm. not really uh, quite the right kind of game. How do you feel about that? It definitely sets a very different mood for the game. And it might be, you know, whichever one you played first is the version that you might end up preferring. I mean, these types of isometric 3D platformers tend to be a little bit more, even though they aren't excessively common, uh, but they tend to be a little bit more kind of slower paced because it is a little bit trickier to line up the jumps just right and a little bit trickier to make sure that you land on your enemies just right. And so you tend to think about your moves a little bit more. And so I'm I'm okay with it being a little bit more slower, more meditative on mm-hmm. uh, this game than if they tried to bring this type of soundtrack to a previous Freewheel and Sonic game. It definitely emphasizes the 
environment more than Sonic and his platformy action in this music. So this is Rusty Ruins Act One from the Saturn. another very fun boss battle theme. This is boss battle from the Saturn version of Sonic 3D Blast. This is another one where it's like, like we've just been talking about like the, you know, the Dr. Robotnik's theme, you know, the Genesis uh-huh. version, which is <laughs> kind of upbeat and kind of funny and everything. Whereas in this, with the Saturn version, the threat is back. It's quite, the tone is, is very, very different. I mean, I can't imagine like playing these two games on the different platforms. You probably have had, from the music alone, you would have had quite a different sort of experience, I think, like atmospherically. Yeah, this has this like evil laugh in it. It has Mm -hmm. really kind of like a horror type of theme to it in the the musically anyways. It reminds me a lot of the theme song to, I'm not going to mix it up now. I don't remember which one is which, but either Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm -hmm. Uh, One of those old like horror children type of shows. It's such a weird departure, especially listening to that kind of goofy Dr. Robotnik theme from the mm-hmm. last one, but it uh, has a really good energy. So I think it it's interesting to reflect how uh, different these two versions of the game are. This is Boss Battle from the Saturn version of Sonic 3D Blast. <laughs> Thank you. 
hear the name Richard Jacques, the first thing that I think about is his iconic soundtrack to Sonic R, the on-foot racing game of uh, Sonic and, and his friends racing all about, which is another one that I had on PC as a young kid and used to play all the time. I used to love this game <laughs> for some reason. I go back to it now and it's like not as great as I remember it being, but it's, uh, I don't know. It was one of those where it had enough off-track secrets, kind of like Diddy Kong Racing in a way, where mm-hmm. you could play this, the game over and over again and always discover new things, which is something I really like from racing games. You know, it's really easy to just kind of stay on the track, but I like the games where it rewards you for exploring as well. This was a Saturn release, wasn't it? And also PC. Yeah, yeah. This song, this game's soundtrack especially was most famous for having very 90s vocals on it as mm-hmm. well. Uh, This is composed by Richard Jacques with vocals by TJ Davis, and it's super cheesy (laughs) in a way that a lot of the later Sonic music gets super cheesy as well, and we'll, we'll definitely come to that. I just can't help but love, especially this opening track. This is called Super Sonic Racing, and we just played a cover of this song actually a couple weeks back on Sound of Play, and I just, I don't know, something about this with the vocals on it has like a really excellent like deriving like constantly mounting energy and pressure until tj davis sings that line the uh come on now race with such like great energy and gusto to it that it's just really hard to even though it is really cheesy really hard to not get pulled into it <laughs> it was actually as as you said it this is where the music i mean before this it, it had already started to go in this sort of direction mm-hmm. and this is when <laughs> i start to tap out <laughs> from sonic music <laughs> because it for me uh, you know as i really enjoyed the sort of the earlier the earlier music this this yeah the, the sort of the cheesiness didn't really do it for me well mate it's only going to get worse before it gets better <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, so this is supersonic racing from sonic r Just feel the pace. 
Uh, this next track is one that I have a lot of nostalgia for, a lot of affection for growing up. This was uh, when I had the PC version of this game. They had a cool feature, which I am kind of sad we don't get anymore, where if you put the, the game disc into a CD player, it would actually play the music. And so this song was one that I would listen to all the time. And going back to it, it's just very basic, like, you know, Euro dance at the time. <laughs> like, it's, it's really nothing about it that particularly stands out. But I think it has a nice enough tone and uh, it's playful enough to where it's kind of a fun track. This is the instrumental version of the song, uh, but there is a version with very cheesy lyrics on top of it as well. It's called Work It Out. Now we are moving on to the Dreamcast, which means we have to broach the first two Sonic Adventure games. Yay! <laughs> uh, this is when I think the, the tonal quality of the Sonic soundtracks really take a definite turn. They move away from the kind of instrumental rock-influenced, pop-influenced music that you heard in the previous games and get into a lot of Ah, it's really bad, like butt rock. You, you would say sort of, yeah, they take a turn. I'd say they kind of take a nosedive at mm. this stage. <laughs> it's, some of these are atrocious, but go on. A lot of these songs, these rock anthems, are composed by Crush 40, who is like an in-house band who still plays for the series now and has become kind of synonymous with 3D Sonic and the 3D Sonic sound. And, you know, for as cheesy and difficult to listen to as i find some of it to be because it's just so trying too hard <laughs> in a mm -hmm. lot of ways and we'll get to some of that especially in part two of this special when we get into shadow the hedgehog and sonic 06 and all of those gems but i think crush 40 especially 
it's hard to fault the band on being you know they aren't phoning it in like even if the no, music isn't to your liking like they really give 110 percent on each of their tracks and we're going to close out part one of this special with probably their most famous song from the games but you know you really hear the passion and energy they're putting into each of these songs i mean it's because i mean to me this feels like the sort of the culmination of the ultimate dream of what sonic was going to be you know this idea of this sort of you know very flashy you know sort of cool kind of character it's just that their (laughs) idea of cool is maybe not quite where where everyone else is on the same thing it's kind of like rip off offspring yeah but absolutely they they certainly give it their all it's just uh i didn't want to hear sonic talk let alone the music be like (laughs) this you know i was quite happy for him to stay mute that was that was fine and uh yeah this this game orally this this game brought a whole lot of sort of pain for me Mm. (laughs) with this because you have sonic speaking you had uh tales as well it's uh not so good and and the music yeah and the sonic adventure series is where they introduced a lot of sonic's crappiest friends Yep. So you got Big the Cat, you got Shadow the Hedgehog, you got Silver the Hedgehog, and just all of these. Uh, it, it, the this story became more and more like Dragon Ball Z as it went mm-hmm. as well. But bad. Just yeah. <laughs> constantly raising the stakes and, you know, yelling while charging up giant powerful beam attacks and all. It's just got super cheesy. Mm-hmm. But in a way, like, that's kind of what makes it endearing as well. Especially if you grew up with these games. I think that even if there's a little bit of cringe in there, it's hard to not smile a little bit. Uh, this first track that we're pointing out isn't Butt Rock just yet, but uh, it is a character theme of Amy Rose, Sonic's uh, not girlfriend. I think she's kind of always pining after him and he's trying to just kind of like live his own life and not be tied mm-hmm. down necessarily. Well, he's he's more interested in human females as, as we as, as established <laughs> as we later. later but, find. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everything makes so much sense now. <laughs> this song is called My Sweet Passion and it's a very bubblegum, girly, poppy type of song. And the reason that I highlight it is because it's kind of like the worst offender of the lyrical style of the writing of some of these songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the songs are very basic lyrically. There's a lot of like, what goes up must come down. Like that, that kind of thing where it's like, okay, that's the first thing that came to your mind and you wrote it down and wrote it into the final draft of the song. Fine, whatever. But a lot of the songs are just kind of describing what the character is and what is happening at the time in the game, which is kind of fun but kind of like redundant if you had been playing and paying attention (laughs) and also if you hear it many many times which you will over the course of the game it gets quite irritating (laughs) yeah the chorus on this one goes sweet sweet oh so sweet and that kind of underplays any time that amy is on screen in either Mm -hmm. of these sonic adventure games and it's just a little infuriating but there's there's one line in particular that made me rewind a few times when I was listening to it to just try to understand, like, what is this even going for? It says, my sphinx looks so cute, I had to shave it. What? it I didn't... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? I, I, I have a few ideas, and I don't like any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was not aware of so, that. So, uh, yeah, listen out for that. <laughs> I, I don't know if there is a Sphinx in the game, but I I kind of hope so, because <laughs> I really don't know what else it would be referring to. I, I Yeah, in the theme song for this young female hedgehog. <laughs> so this is My Sweet Passion by Nikki Grigorov. Fire, fire, fire. 
So yeah, there we go. My Sphinx is so cute, I had to shave it. Mm. The soundtrack for these games aren't entirely anthems. There are some more kind of traditional uh, types of songs as well. And uh, this is one that you've brought to the show, actually, James. This is called Pleasure Castle Twinkle Park. What is the background? Where do you encounter this in the game? This is from, it is the sort of the Twinkle Park area. But the reason I really like this one is because it does sort of echo back to the older games, I felt. Yeah, definitely. It really has that, that sort of... A slight sadness to the song actually as well, mm. which is what why I why I really enjoy it. It's um not not because I particularly enjoy really sad music, but if in this case I think it, it really works and it's a it's a really nice departure from the rock sort of stuff that's going on uh, throughout most of the game. It's mm. uh, I think it's excellent. Yeah, this has a really classic sonic feel to it, and it's nice that they haven't moved away entirely from this classic sonic feel. So this is Pleasure Castle Twinkle Park. one track left today but before we get to that i would like to thank james farley for joining me today is there anything that you would like to draw our uh, listeners attention to uh only maybe the computer game show which is a weekly podcast that uh, we, we put together if you type that into itunes or whatever you'll, you'll be able to find us yeah and of course with uh with matt murray and david turner and sean bell all friends of the show maybe not matt yet Maybe he's not a friend of the show yet, but uh, he's certainly invited on (laughs) if ever he would like to share some of his musical taste with our audiences. But a lot of fun to listen to every week. That's uh, one that I definitely prioritize. Always some sort of drama going on behind the scenes in the computer game show. More more than you would know <laughs> from listening to it. Uh, it can be quite a nightmare sometimes, but uh, pretty enjoyable oh, you get generally. kind of the worst of it as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of getting the worst of it, let's get this track out of the way. This is one that I have to admit, it isn't a good song, but I kind of love it. <laughs> It's it's one that I think I've heard enough. I have that kind of like a musical Stockholm syndrome, which you get with mm-hmm. a lot of like cheesy video game music 
where it's so cheesy, but at the same time, it's so sincere that it's hard for me to not fall in love with it, especially with such like a strong opening with those Mm -hmm. uh, plucky bass notes. Uh, This song has been requested previously on Sound of Play, but I think actually by by mistake, the editor plugged in the instrumental version of the song. So this is the first time that the version with vocals is being played. And uh, yeah, this is Crush 40 at its crushed 40th for the for better or for worse. Uh, James, did you play Sonic Adventure 2? I did, unfortunately. See, I I don't want to be negative about this because that's what I do on the computer game show, but (laughs) I do, I mean, Sonic Adventure I did enjoy and I still Mm. think is not a terrible, it's not a terrible game at all. I mean, the, well, particularly the Dreamcast version is very good. The DX versions are not so good Mm. because... You know that they were. It was ported to PC, yeah. And the PC port's not very good. And then most of the versions we get now are the PC port and not the original. Oh, and so it hasn't aged very well, unfortunately, because of that. Because the Dreamcast version is really significantly better. But Sonic Adventure Two, I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of. It's uh, it, mostly, I think. I didn't like the structure of, of the game and the way it was sort of the way it was laid out. Mm. But the music, I mean, what you say about this escape from the city, though, this one I kind of feel is not terrible, actually, in the sense yeah. that it does. It really does represent very well this era of Sonic. I'm struggling to think of how to how to describe how I feel about it, really. It, it feels a bit like a demo tape um, for mm. for like a band, you know, that are trying to sort of break, you know, sort of break into the industry or something. But um, it, it works, I think. Yeah, it's fun. And it has. It's just so sincere, as we said before, like they're just really going for it and just giving their all. And it's infectious. It's really fun to sing along with. It's uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fun track overall. And so, you know, it's interesting that you like the first Sonic Adventure and don't like the second, because I think that's usually kind of the opposite perception that a lot of people have is they, they say that the uh, Sonic Adventure 1 was kind of them finding their feet in a post Mario 64 world, where mm-hmm. Sonic Adventure 2 felt a little bit more kind of confident in what it was doing, uh, had a little bit more polish. Of course, like it's still a bit of a mess, but it had uh, some more kind of new ideas and something that it was really like bringing to the formula rather than just being a weird halfway house between 2D Sonic and 3D Mario. I tend to really like Sonic Adventure 2. This is one that I grew up with on the GameCube. And so I have my, you know, rose-tinted nostalgia goggles. But Mm -hmm. looking back, I can admit like half of the game is decent. Half the game is not very well thought out. But yeah, a few of these tracks, the uh, Pumpkin Hill Zone and this Escape from the City really... are are earworms for me and uh, I end up coming back to every once in a while. So we will leave you all today with Escape from the City by Crush 40. I will be back in Sound of Play 120 for the second half of the Sonic series from Sonic Advance 2 and onwards. We will pick up a very different era of the series music and I know what you're thinking. This is when we start getting into more kind of 3D Sonic stuff is when we get into some of the lower quality Sonic games, but I would like to encourage you all to rejoin for that second half of the special. Even if it sounds like all the good stuff is in the past already, uh, I think you'll be surprised by some of the quality of the soundtracks of even the more kind of overlooked games later on bring a lot of uh, really cool musical stuff to the table. So we will see you again in 10 Sounds of Play. And until then, this is Escape from the City. (laughs) 